and powerful, quicker than any two-edged sword. And that, Father, even as we begin today, Lord God, we start off in a place of honoring you. We start off in a place of saying, God, speak to us. Speak to our hearts. We open our ears to listen to you. We, we open our minds to receive from you. God, I ask you that you would wear me like a glove today. That you'd be the substance of everything that's said. That, Father, every person will hear your voice beyond what I say, Lord God. They would hear you speak in their hearts. That we would leave this place different than we came in. And we promise at the end of this time to give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, and everyone say, Amen, Amen, Amen. Would you open your Bibles with me to the book of Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. And um, we are doing a series on giving leading up into our giving weekend next week. Our giving and our Easter weekend next week. So we're doing a series on giving. And... Um, as we're, we're doing this series on giving and thinking about the building and thinking about, you know, just what God is doing, it reminded me of a story I heard once about this uh, church secretary who was uh, at the office when the phone rang. Well, she picked up the phone and the guy on the other end of the line said, uh, hey, I'd like to speak to the head hog at the trough. She said, um, pardon me? He said, you heard me. I want to speak to the head hog. Uh, she said, head hog, I'm sorry, sir, but uh, we don't refer to our pastor as a pig. Please, don't do that. He said, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't mean to insult you. I just got $15,000 I want to give to your building fund. She said, hold on, sir, Porky just walked in. How many of you know, we call him anything if you go give us that money. Amen. <laughs> so we got giving coming up. And you know what? There was something I was thinking about um, as I was preparing. I was thinking about the fact that, you know, you know something is important to somebody's life when they speak about it more than anything else. You ever speak to somebody who's in love? Man, they talk about Larry. Larry this, Larry did that, Larry, Larry is on their hearts, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's always something that's coming out and every other sentence is, oh, well, you know, this is how, and they're always talking about the thing that's most important to their heart. And you know, when you look at the Bible, when you look at the Word, God speaks about money, possessions, and giving more than some of the things you think are important to Him. For example, did you know that in the Bible there are over five hundred verses over 500 verses on prayer there are almost 500 verses on faith but there are over 2,000 verses on money possessions and giving wow what does that mean that means God is concerned with the way we handle our finances and he's concerned with how we deal with it because he knows that how we do it, if we do it His way, it will be a blessing to us. Amen? And He wants us to learn and to grow and to be able to manage that. And so today's uh, message is entitled, Getting to the Heart of Giving. Getting to the Heart of Giving. And here's the thing. When we walk into church and we hear somebody talking about giving, and there's that thing inside of us that says, Oh, I can't believe they're talking about giving. I can't believe. You know, when you get that, know this. That's not God's heart. That's the enemy trying to prevent you from getting God's best for you. 
Amen? And so I want to help you this morning. And we're going to talk about uh, getting to the heart of giving. We're going to focus on a character in the Bible called Zacchaeus. Now Zacchaeus, according to all the, uh, all the Bible scholars I've read, i looked at, and you know, they all agree that Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And a wee little man was he. There's a truth about that right there, amen? <laughs> um, how many of you know that song? How many of you don't know that song? There we go. All right. You know what? I understand. I didn't grow up in church either. And so I, I, I learned that when uh, my kids were born. You know, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. I didn't know about that song before. But Zacchaeus was a guy who was very, very wealthy. In fact, what he was, he was, the, the Bible calls him a chief tax collector. Now, if you know anything about what was happening in Israel at the time, Rome had taken over the, um, Israel and all the Jews were under Roman rule. And the, the Jews used to pay a certain amount of tax to the temple to upkeep the temple. When Solomon built the temple, they would pay tax to the temple. And they would also, they only have religious offerings. Offerings to God, offerings to the temple, offerings to the priests. Well, when Rome took over, Rome said, guess what? You got to pay us tax too. And so now there was a government tax. And who likes taxes? Nobody, exactly. And so Rome took over and Rome said, hey, guess what? You're going to have to pay tax. But here's how we're going to institute the tax. We're going to take some of your fellow Jews and make them our tax collectors. And so those Jews now started to collect tax. Not only did they collect tax from their fellow Jews, but they also collected usually more than was actually owned so they could pocket some of it for themselves. And so the, the, all the Israelites at the time, they were, uh, they were resentful towards Caesar and towards Rome for collecting taxes, but they really hated the people Rome used to collect taxes on their behalf. In other words, they hated the messenger more than the message. You see what I'm saying? And so what they would do is this. They would always uh, reject the people who were tax collectors because they saw them as traitors. Now here's the thing. Zacchaeus was chief among them. So this guy was rolling in dough. This guy had it. So we're going to pick it up in Luke chapter 19, verse 1. And it says, Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Yes, he was. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. I want you to underline that word received in your Bible, if you, if you can. Received him joyfully. But when they saw it, and there's always a they in your life. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be the guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. 
And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Today I want to talk about three things. I have three points to, to talk to you about. Number one is perform the act of giving. Number two is possess the attitude of giving. And number three is promote the altitude of giving. So perform the act of giving, possess the attitude of giving, promote the altitude of giving. Perform the act of giving. Think about this for a second. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He was a very, very selfish person. He was somebody who was very self-focused. He was looking for things for himself. He was gaining money. He was gaining wealth by taking advantage of other people. That's who uh, Zacchaeus was. But after he had an encounter with Jesus, he became a giver. After he had this encounter with Jesus, he all of a sudden changed and became a giver. Uh, the giving is the evidence that a life has been transformed by God. Giving is the evidence that a life has been transformed by, by God. Um, think about this for a second. If we could boil the Bible down into the smallest possible sentence, the smallest possible sentence, um, what would that sentence be? Now, every sentence needs just two things to actually be a complete sentence. It needs a subject and a verb. Okay, going back to if you're an English teacher in here, don't criticize me right now, okay? I'm trying my best. Okay, all it needs is a subject and a verb. So the shortest complete sentence has two words, subject and verb. Uh, for example, the shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept. Exactly, subject, Jesus wept, verb. And so if you have a, a, a subject and a verb, you can get a complete sentence. Now if we think about the whole Bible, the entire Bible from beginning to end, and we were trying to boil it down to the shortest possible summary, the shortest possible sentence that we could ever come up with, what would it be? Well, first of all, we have to figure out the subject. Who is the subject of the Bible? Well, the subject of the Bible is God, right? God, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So it begins with God. It's who God is. God, from page, from the beginning to the end, it's all about God. It's all about Him. Now, God is the subject. What is the verb? Now, some people think, well, the verb is love. And love would be a good verb. But the thing about love is, love is a motivation to the verb. Are you with me? Love is the motivation of the actual verb that God does. Think about the most popular verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he... What's the verb? The verb is gave. In other words, if we were to boil the Bible down to its shortest possible sentence, it would be God gives. God gave. God gave. God gave His Son. Jesus gave His life. God gave. We're the object we receive, but God gave. Does that make sense? So watch this. When we give, we are most like God. Because the one thing that God consistently does is give. So when we give, we become like God. We are most like God when we are giving. 
Oh, boy. This is important because when you think about Zacchaeus and what Zacchaeus was doing, Zacchaeus' life shifted and transformed from a taker to a giver because he had an encounter with Jesus. In other words, he became more like Jesus. That's why Jesus said, listen, Jesus said this. Watch this. This is so cool. Jesus said, I did not come to serve, or to be sorry, to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom to many. He said, no man takes my life from me, but I give it. I lay it down. In other words, all throughout the scripture, here's the point. God gives, and when we give, we are most like God. This is not just about our money. This is about everything. This is about our, our hearts, our time, our talents, our lives, our relationships. Think about this for a second. When a, a successful marriage is a marriage where two people are giving to each other. Amen. I'm telling you, man, if you don't believe me, get married. <laughs> I didn't know how selfish I was until my wife told me. Okay, come on. How many of you can identify with that right there? Amen. Man, when I was a single, I thought I had it going. That any girl would love, oh, come on now. You see all this? Anybody would want this. Man, I got married all of a sudden. I realized, man, I'm looking out for myself. I didn't know it. Didn't know it. But marriage is all about giving. And everything that's successful in the kingdom gives. Woo. Woo. And we give, we give to him because he gave everything to us. He gave everything to us, not just money, but it includes money. Not just money, but it includes money. And so the evidence that Zacchaeus had an encounter was, with Jesus was his act of giving. You see, our old nature is not like that. And neither was Zacchaeus's. Our old nature is that we were born, when we're born, we're born with this Adamic nature. This nature that comes from Adam. This nature that says this, uh, what is mine is mine. You know, you don't have to teach a baby how to say the word mine. If you're a parent, the first time your child said mine, you were like, oh my gosh, where did she get that from? Because you don't, even, you don't even know how they get it, but they figure it out. That if that toy was in their possession at some point, even though it didn't belong to them before that point, it is now mine. 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 And you get to the point where it doesn't even matter if it's theirs or not. You just want the coin to, just, just give it to her, just give it to her, just give it to her. But mommy, it's not hers. It doesn't matter. Just stop. Because as parents, we just get to the point where it's just, oh my gosh, I just can't take it anymore. That nature of Adam that says it's mine, it's selfish, it's self-focused. I want it. I got it. I earned it. It's mine. It's so strong even from the point of birth. That it only, it takes an encounter with Jesus to change it. So I want, to, I want to look where this comes from because uh, we're going to look in Genesis. I want to show you how, how this is really interesting. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, we're going to put it up on the screen so that we, we don't um, turn as much. But in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, this is where God is speaking about uh, creating the heavens and the earth and how he created uh, man. And Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 says, And God created man in his own what? image that means we were created to give 
We were created to give. Are you with me? So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Verse uh, 28 says this. Then God did what? Bless them. So, so from the very beginning, God's giving. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on it. So man was to, be, uh, was to multiply. Um, look at uh, chapter 2, verse 8. Chapter 2, verse 8 says this, Then God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he has formed. So who planted the garden? God. So already, God planted the garden. Look at the next verse. Look at this one. And out of the ground, the Lord made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So who made every tree come out of the ground? God. Okay. God made all that happen. Now, uh, verse 15 of chapter 2 says this, Then the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. Now, let me just say this. Man was given work over the things that God had given him before. Does that make sense? In other words, he was to maintain and to improve the things that God already gave to him. God provided the garden. Man didn't plant the garden. Man was to work in the garden. Work didn't come as a result of the curse. Work is worship. Work is honorable before God. Work is holy. Work is what God has called us to. In fact, being created in the image of God means that we ought to work because God worked. It also means we ought to rest because God rested too. God wouldn't need to rest if he didn't work. All right? I'm just helping you with that. Are you hearing me this morning? So work isn't a result of the curse. So let me just clear that up right now. But here's what happened. God gave man everything he needed to be sustained. And then he said to him, I want you to maintain it and cultivate it and make it even more than I've given you. But I'm giving you everything that you need. Before you were born, everything you needed to achieve your purpose already existed. But that's not where we're going. <laughs> that's not where we're going. So then the Lord God took man, put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. Look at the next verse that I have there. And then... Look at this, this is about wife. He says, then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman. And who brought her? God brought her to the man. Now, let's stop here just for a second. Let's say you walked upon Adam. He's in the garden. He's tending. And you said, hey, Adam, can I have a mango from that mango tree? Now, what is Adam's response? Yes. Why? There are more mangoes on this tree that I can... Listen, I didn't even plant this tree. God gave me this tree. So guess what? Freely I got, freely I give. There's no problem. No problem at all. So everything that Adam had was not something that he had created for himself, but he received from God. Are you with me? Okay. 
Now the curse comes. And so in chapter 3, verse 17, God is speaking to Adam and he's talking to Adam after the curse. Chapter 3, verse 17. And here's what it says. This is so powerful. He said this. Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. No, watch this. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Before, how did Adam get what he got? It was from what? God. Now the curse has come. How does Adam get what he got? From himself. The source before the curse was God. The source after the curse was man. The curse didn't create work. The curse created self-dependence. Are you with me? So here's the problem. Here's the problem. Here's why that this leads to the kind of mindset I'm talking about. Because this. If sin says, if I earn it, I have to protect it. And keep it and maintain it. God says, but if I give it to you, then you do with it what I say to you to do. Are you with me? Before Adam fell, everything was open-handed to anyone who wanted it. Because he didn't provide it, he simply maintained what he was given. After Adam fell, he said, guess what? I ain't given anything because I work for this. It's mine. And so our children come out saying, it's mine. Even if it isn't really theirs. Come on now. Even if it isn't really theirs. It's mine. Because there's a nature inside of man that sin created that said, I depend on me, I do it myself. That's what Zacchaeus was like. Zacchaeus, sorry, was like until he met Jesus. Then his nature changed and he began to give. You see, when we give, we're most like God. Which leads me to possessing the attitude of giving. That's the, that's the act of giving. But look at the attitude of giving. Because Zacchaeus says this when he's uh, speaking to the Lord. He says, uh, look Lord, I give half my possessions to the poor. And if there's anyone I've cheated, I'm going to restore to them four times what they have cheated them of. Now, let me ask you something. Look, when Zacchaeus says, look Lord, do you hear the excitement? There's an excitement that, that Zacchaeus has. There's a joy that Zacchaeus has about giving. He's giving, he says, look Lord, look what I'm about. Look what I'm doing. Look what I'm doing. He's not boasting. What he's doing is he's excited. And he's excited because he's giving. There's a reason he's excited. Look, uh, the book of Numbers talks about what happens when you cheat somebody of their money. Like if you steal something and somebody finds out that you stole it. And so let's say I lend you my watch and then you go home and you come back next week and you say, guess what? Somebody stole the watch and I'm like, oh man, I can't believe it. That, that watch was a thousand dollars. And next year I see you with the watch. Then the law in Numbers 5, uh, Turner, Numbers 5, I'm going to put it up on the thing. He says, then Moses, uh, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, 
Speak to the children of Israel. When a man or woman commits any sin that men commit in unfaithfulness against the Lord, and that person is guilty, he shall confess the sin which he has committed. He shall make restitution for his trespass in full, plus one-fifth of it, and give it to the one he is wrong. In other words, when you give me back my $1,000 watch, you need to give me 20% on top of that. That means you need to give me $200 for the trouble and the stress you caused me. All right? Zacchaeus said, forget that. Forget the law. I'm giving 400% back. Whoa. Whoa. You know what? That's, that's mind-blowing. You know why? Because... Most people would give according to the law. But when your heart changes, the law is the minimum. The law is the starting place. The law is down here. When it comes to a heart change, I'm giving not because I'm required to, but because I want to. There's a difference that takes place. And my guy got so excited. He said, if I cheated anybody, I'm going to give him 400% of what I cheated from him. You see, here's what's happening. God isn't just looking at our act of giving. He's looking at our attitude in giving. And our attitude in giving is actually controlled by our attitude in receiving. Right, you say, okay, what does that mean? Let me, let, me, let me say it another way. The way in which you receive impacts the way in which you give. If you have a problem in the area of giving, it's because you have a problem in the area of receiving. Okay, let me say it another way. Let me say, Jesus said, freely you receive, freely give. If you receive in grudgingly, like you ever get your paycheck and you go, man, this is all they pay me. I can't believe it. You know, a harder work, da, da, da. The way in which you give is going to be grudgingly. Man, I can't believe I have to give my tithe off of this. Are you with me? If you receive freely, oh my God, God, thank you so much. What a blessing this is. You'll give freely. God, thank you. I'm able to give. Boy, this is such a blessing. How you receive determines how you give. All right, I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to prove it to you. Look at Zacchaeus. I love Zacchaeus because Zacchaeus showed me something I had never seen before. So Zacchaeus says this. Look at this. Zacchaeus in uh, verse chapter 19. This is Luke chapter 19. And verse 4 says, So he ran ahead and climbed up a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. Watch this. So he made haste and came down and received him. How? Joyfully. So when he was giving, how was he giving? Oh, yes. Because here's what Zacchaeus did. Zacchaeus said, you, I don't deserve for you to be a blessing to me. I'm a sinner. I don't deserve it. So when Jesus said, I'm going to be a blessing to you, Zacchaeus said, what? Me? Oh my gosh, guess what? I am so blessed, I can come over here and bless somebody else. How you receive impacts how you give. There's another rich guy in the Bible 
who had the same opportunity as Zacchaeus. Same opportunity. He walked up to Jesus one day. He said, Master, uh, look, man, I got a whole lot of money. I'm rich and stuff. But here's a question I have for you. How do I inherit eternal life? Jesus said, well, hold on. Let me ask you something. Have, do you know, uh, do not kill, do not steal, do not commit adultery. He said, listen, all those, here's the word, I have kept from my youth. What was he saying? I deserve eternal life because I've done it. And Jesus said, sell your stuff, give it to the poor. And he walked away very sad. You know why? Because he earned it. He didn't think it was given. He thought it was earned. Why oh, you hear me? He didn't think it was given. He thought it was earned. This is so powerful. This is so powerful because if you can understand that this shift in thinking will impact your attitude when it comes to giving, you'll never give the same again. You see, Zacchaeus wasn't righteous enough to deserve God, but the rich young ruler thought he was. So when God said, give me, he said, I can't because I worked this for myself. Zacchaeus said, I don't deserve this for myself. So take anything you want. The rich guy felt he deserved it. Zacchaeus didn't. And when we don't receive what God has given us as God's blessings to us, but rather the work of our own hands, then we have a hard time letting go of it. If we don't think it comes from God's hand, but our own, we can't let go of it. And this is hard right here. If we think we earned it, then we have to keep it. There's a friend of mine who used to say, earn all you can and can all you earn. You see, we forget that we're just working in the garden. We think we planted the garden. You didn't plant the garden. God put you in the garden that you could be a blessing in the garden. But God provided the garden. So even when we work hard, recognize if God's blessing isn't on our work, we ain't going nowhere. Psalm 127 verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, unless He builds the house, they that labor, labor how? In vain. It won't come to anything. Deuteronomy 8. I love this because Deuteronomy 8 ex ex talks about exactly how it works in our hearts and what happens sometimes in our hearts. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 11. And this is God speaking to uh, children of Israel and He's talking to them about going into the promised land and everything that He has provided for them. And so Deuteronomy 8 verse 11, it says this, Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God. By not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest, when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. I wonder how many of us are walking the blessings of God right now and we forget where we're coming from. He says, lest that you forget when, when this happens. Look at this. Uh, 
verse, verse uh, 15, who led you through the great terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and th a thirsty land where there was no water, who brought water for you out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that you might he might test you that to do good in the land, in the end, then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. Yeah. Verse 18. And you shall remember the Lord your God. For it is he who gives you power to get wealth. That word power means vigor, strength, force, capacity, ability, whether physical, mental, or spiritual. That means your ability to teach, your ability to do math, your, your ability to manage, your ability to sing, your ability to do all these things that other people look on you and say, man, I wish I could do that. Like you did not plant that garden. Come on now. You didn't do it. Man, you received it. And if you don't receive it as a blessing from the Lord and recognize if it were not for the Lord, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing right now. Is when you have that mindset that you can say, God, what do you want? What can I give you? Because freely I have received. So then freely I can. Hmm. I, was, uh, I was speaking to my brother two days ago. Um, he is, he is my, my younger brother. It was his birthday. And let me tell you something. My brother is a, um, a hoarder. <laughs> when it comes to money. Not anything else. Money. He's a blinger, he's a hoarder, he spends money on him and nobody else, and he's saving to make sure that he has a Mercedes. I mean, he's just like that. He's just like, always been like, kind of very focused on what, what is in it for me, what is in it for me. So I was speaking to him two days ago, and I was saying, hey, happy birthday, da, da, da. And then he said this, he said, man, guess what? I said, what? He said, two months ago, I started paying some of the bills in the house. Now, mind you, this guy is 30 years old living with my parents, Okay. So he said, I started paying some of the bills in the house. I said, yeah, that's good. He said, you know what? It was such a joy for me to give to my parents after all they've done for me. And I almost dropped the phone. <laughs> I've never heard joy and give in the same sentence coming out of his mouth. But you know what? His attitude towards it changed. And what he started to do is recognize what they had done for him. And so what he is doing is but mere a payment. It's almost like, you know what, thank you. It's gratitude that he's given. Not out of obligation. Because they're not even asking him. Jesus didn't even ask Zacchaeus to give any money to anybody. But out of gratitude, he says, you know what, God? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to do it. So we got to look at our attitude and say, man, am I doing this? Uh, here, 
here, here's, here's how Paul said it. Paul said it this way. He said, um, so let each one of you give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a what? A cheerful giver. In other words, hey, guess what? God loves that you give, even if you don't give with the right attitude. He's going to bless you because he's a blesser. He's a rewarder. He will return to you. He'll bless you. Can ne- God can never owe you anything. Trust me. He will bless you. But God loves when you give with the right attitude. Loves it. I love when my kids obey me. Even if they do it with the wrong attitude. Are you with me? Go up to your bed. <laughs> I don't understand. It's spring break. I don't see why I have to go to bed right now. It's like, okay, you know what? That's fine. You may not have to see it the way I see it, but you're going to bed right now. Okay? Okay? Right. Or go to bed. Hey, no problem, daddy. Woo! Holy smokes. Where did that come from, man? I'm, I'm excited when the attitude is right. God says... I want to make a statement here. It says this. um, When we understand that everything we have comes from Him, we live with an open hand. When we understand that everything that we have comes from Him, we live with an open hand. So we talk about the the practice that, you know, performing the act of giving. We talk about, you know, having the right, that attitude, possessing the attitude. Here's the last thing is to promote the altitude of our giving. In other words, take our giving to the next level. You know, there are three levels of giving. There's tithe, there's offering, and there's extravagant offering. Tithe, offering, extravagant. Now, most Christians struggle with level one. Okay? Just getting to the tithe is a huge deal. Okay? Um, but can I tell you something about tithing real quick? I've said this so many times before, but I want to say it to you this way. I'm going to say it again. Uh, People who tithe, watch this, say, I'm blessed. People who don't tithe say, I can't afford to do it. You figure out why that is. And most times they're earning the same amount of money. There's tithe, there's offering, there's, there's uh, extravagant offering. I'm not going to go and tithe and offering so much because we, we talk about that all the time. But what I want to let you know is this, that in our church, we did a survey last year. And here's this, here's, here's a survey. 70% of the people we surveyed had tithe within the last three months. Now that's awesome. And then 70% of those who had tithed within the last three months were consistently tithing within those last three months. Well, that's awesome because that works out to about 50-55% of our church. And that included guests and everybody. We, we, we just kind of did everybody. So if you think about just members alone, we, let's bump that back up to about 70-60-70% of people in our church. Now, you say, well, you know what, um, how great is that? Let me tell you how great is that. The average church has 10% of its people tithing. Think about that. 10%. When I tell people, other pastors, that, hey, this is what the survey results were, they get shocked. They say, what? So, we're not like struggling financially. That's not why we're teaching this. It's not because we're struggling and, boy, you know, we need the money and that, that, that. That's not it. That's not it. I'm telling you something. There's a blessing that comes when you give. 
And it's not just a material blessing. Because sometimes we think, hey, you know, it's a material blessing. I'm talking about there's a freedom, there's a peace, there is something that happens in your heart. And I think Brad James said it so well this morning. That there's, there's relationship that takes place through giving. That when you're able to give, something happens in that act of giving between you and the person that you give to. That doesn't happen in any other way. And God says, listen, if you can learn to give to me the way I've given to you, my God, your life would change. And so there's this thing called extravagant offering. And throughout the Bible, it's all throughout the Bible where people have given extravagantly. Um, Solomon sacrificed a thousand bulls to the Lord in 1 uh, Kings 3.7. And I worked it out. We we're looking online trying to say, how much is a thousand bulls worth today? It's worth seven million dollars. Seven million dollars Solomon gave. To, wouldn't you like to be able to give seven million dollars to the Lord? Amen. Amen. I would love to be in that position one day. So he gave seven million dollars. And here's the thing. When God came to him, God said, what do you want? And here's what Solomon said. Solomon said, look, you've given me the kingdom of my father. I am but a child. You know, here's what Solomon was saying. I don't even deserve to be in this position. I'm trying, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. So he sacrificed a thousand bulls. Here's the other one. Uh, Mary poured perfume on Jesus' feet. And the Bible says it was worth 300 denarii. A denarii is a day's wage. So if you think about it, 300, if you take out like um, weekends and all that, that's a year's wage. Can you imagine a year's wage? Like think about how much you earn for a year. That you would, that's what she did. And Judas was upset. Hey, this could have been sold and given to the poor. Why would Mary do that? That was John chapter 12. You know what happened in John chapter 11? John chapter 11, Mary's brother died. His name was Lazarus. And Jesus walks to a gravesite, to a, a tomb, and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus walks up out of the grave. In the next chapter, Mary says, I don't care what I'm going to give. I could not have received this from anybody else but Jesus. I'm going to give him anything I have. Are you with me? How she received determined how she gave. David was building the temple. And David, the Bible says that he gathered all his gold and all his silver and all this stuff. In fact, I'm going to turn there and we're going to close with this. Um, it is in First Chronicles, First Chronicles chapter 29. First Chronicles chapter 29. I'm going to read three scriptures from here. I want you to see this. First Chronicles 29 verse 2 says this. Now, for the house of my God, I have prepared, watch this, with all my might. That means... this. Here's what David did. When he says all his might, here's what he said. Man, I saved this. I saved. I, um, I, I denied myself some regular stuff that I'd normally get for myself, right? Um, like, you know, whatever the kingdom things. I don't know, lions and I, I don't know what, they, what he used to do. You know, maybe I direct TV or whatever. He cut that off, whatever. You know what I'm saying? But he said, with all my might, look, I, I, I stripped myself down with all my might. I have... Prepared gold for the things made of gold, silver for the things made of silver, bronze for the things made of bronze, iron, wood, onyx, stones to be set, glistening, what's it, stones of various colors, all kinds, precious stones, and marble slabs in abundance. Hear, hear me, hear me. They calculated the amount that David actually set aside for the house of the Lord. And in today's money, 
it was seven billion dollars. With a B. I'm just saying. I'm sorry, I said seven billion. Twenty-one billion. Twenty-one billion. I'm sorry about that. Twenty-one billion. Just to, you know, just you know, once it hit a billion, you can't even it doesn't even matter to you. You're just like a billion, right? Twenty-one billion dollars. But 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 why? Why? Look, I want you to look at this scripture now. Here's later on, he says, he's worshiping God. And he says, God, man, I'm so glad I'm able to give you. Watch this. Here's what he says. Moreover, because I've set my affection on the house of my God, I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house, my own special treasure of gold and silver. Go to the next verse there, James. But who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all things, come on, say it with me, come from you and of your own we have given you. Hear me. Hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. If you receive well, you'll give well. If you recognize that what you have was actually given to you from His hand, then you will be in the position to say, God, what do you want to let go out of my hand? But if you think that what you have is all that you earned and you deserved, and you work for, and it's the sweat of your brow, and so you're just eating. If you think that way, you'll never let it go. And today, that's what God's calling us to do. Is to have a different perspective on how we've been blessed. Bow your heads with me for a second. God is an extravagant giver. He gave us His Son. And every time we give, we look like God. God rewards giving and He will reward you. But if your focus is on the reward only and not on what he's already blessed you with then you'll always need a reward to give but if your heart is full with knowing that God has been so good to me and has blessed me so much guess what you'll never have to stir yourself up if you live in gratitude because you'll always have a heart of generosity grateful heart is generous and the generous heart shall always have shall always prosper as we get ready to close I want to challenge you to do three things today number one is to spend some time and just be thankful for what he's done for you already for what you've received you think about 
your income, your house, your relationships, your family. You think about all that God has put, your talents, your gifts, your time, your health, your strength, your wisdom, your education. Think about all that. You look back and you go, you know what, God? Uh, there are people who didn't get what I got and look like they were even a, in a better position to do it. But look what the Lord has done for me. Be in a place, come to this place of being thankful. God, you are so good. Then out of that thankfulness, be able to say, God, I want to be a blessing to the kingdom. What would you have me give? What would you have me to give? God, I know you can replace whatever it is because you're the one who gave it in the first place. So Lord, I'm not worried about that. What I want to do, Lord God, is express my thankfulness to you by blessing your kingdom. I want to be like you and give. And then finally, is to have faith. Have faith that he is able have faith that God is able to do this thing. Hallelujah. God, we thank you. We honor you, Lord God. You're the one who planted the garden. You're the one who's given us everything we need to be in the place that we are today. And God, we say to you, because you've given from your hand, Lord God, we ask you, take from our hand. We open our hands to you. I say, God, it's all yours anyway. Nothing we give you is ours. It all came from you. So God, we submit it to you right now. Hallelujah. If you're here this morning, you've never asked Jesus in your heart,